The reality of an Indian safari. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and I'm in the office, and actually I'm in the studio, it's been a long day, uh, with Johan, who in the previous episode spoke to Trevor about their incredible India safari. How's it going? Gee, good in yourself, man. Lacquer, lacquer. It's been a long time. It has actually. How long has it been? Well, five weeks. And this, uh, we were looking this morning for dates. After this, you, I fly next Sunday, you fly just after, and I think the next time we're both here to plan a braai or something is, apart from one or two days, is probably like end of September somewhere. Yeah, it gets crazy. From from June, it starts getting a little bit, little bit wild. It's like the reality of a post-COVID world. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, can't complain. No, shit, compared to the other one. I've been speaking to quite a few people over the last while about COVID mm. and how it's been this catalyst for people as far as... I want to live my life mm. because everybody was faced with the reality of I could die. Sure. And look, there's a whole bunch of stuff about COVID, but I think it's been, and I'm speaking personally here, I think it's been pretty good yeah. from a reassessment and all that point of view. Yes. But it is nice to get out there again. Yes. When you're off next? Uh, 29th of May, I fly and then... Uh, oh, you're going to the Pantanal with like a 437-hour flight? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I might need like two or three sleeping, sleeping pills for that flight. Per flight. Per flight. No, it's a long, long stretch. So there, I think it's right? about a 30 hour there, 30 hour there, 30 hour back. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Get a good book. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so the reason for this podcast in the previous episode, you spoke to Trev about the actual experience you guys had. Mm. Incredible, uh, incredible India, it's called. Yes. And from what I saw online and from what you guys have been speaking about, it seemed like it was ridiculous. Yes. How many tigers? Um, the first, because I, I did a private uh, before, and we had 16 different tigers, mm-hmm. and then that's over a 12-day period, and then 24 to the second group. That's off the hook. So, and then this morning, you and I were having breakfast as a bit of a catch-up, and you started talking about the realities of the trip. Yeah. And I think what made us both think of this is you said something in the line of it's not like an African safari. Sure. We stopped the conversation because I thought it would be pretty good value. Yeah. To, on the back of your previous episode that you did, to speak about that. So, to kick it off, what does that mean? It's not an African safari. So, I think, I mean, we, we get used to Africa. And, look, Africa in itself is, is quite a broad term because Southern Africa compared to East Africa is mm. a totally different experience. If you, if you bring Southern Africa into it, you know, the Sabi Sands or, you know, a place like South Luangwa or Zambia, you've got lodges that are often in private concessions Meaning that, you know, first of all, reality is your price is going to be a lot higher mm. because, you know, these lodges have to pay a fee to be in that private concession. But it also means that you've got less vehicles in that particular area. So you pay for that exclusivity. Mm. So when you have a leopard or a lion or whatever, you've got two, maybe three vehicles in the sighting and they rotate from there. But, and where in, I'm going to get to where sort of the argument comes with this. Then you've got East Africa where, you know, you've got national parks, the Serengeti, the Masamara, probably more private um, extent, the Mara Triangle. And then you've also got private conservancies in the yes. in the Masamara. Each of them at a different uh, price bracket. But generally there, there's no limit on vehicles. Mm-hmm. So you could have five, six vehicles. Maybe you know, if you have crossings, we've had... 20, 30 vehicles. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is, there's no restriction on time in those areas. Like if you think about Mara, mm-hmm. you could have 10 
vehicles in the sighting, but you could spend five hours there if you want. Sure. If you go a lot of, and not all private um, reserves in South Africa are like that, but usually, you know, if the guys get like a, a leopard or lion, they'll give you 25, 30 you minutes and you rotate out. So it's, it, it's, it's a give and take each way. Yes, it's nice to have, you know, a sighting with very few vehicles in there, but, you know, if, if the sighting starts developing and it starts mm. getting interesting, you don't want to leave that. No, no. You don't want to leave that. You don't want to get into a situation where you have to leave that. And, you know, there are places like South Luangwa and you know, a few reserves in South Africa where they do, the guides are mature enough to say, listen, I've got photographers. I'm going to be mm, mm. sitting with this leopard for, for the day kind of thing. And yep. I think, so that, that's what I mean with African safari experiences. You know, generally you've got very few vehicles in a, in a sighting, and it is quite controlled. They've all got radios mm. that, where they communicate movements of animals and things like that. India, first of all, there, there's, there are no radios oh, in the really? vehicles. No radios. So you find your own stuff You or find nothing. your own stuff. Own stuff or nothing. Okay. They've also got, for the majority of the parks in India, they've got zones that they, that they drive in. Is this a lottery thing? I've heard about an Indian lottery where you go in the morning and you get assigned a zone or something. Yes, I mean, we, we, we booked these zones well in advance. So we're ready for... Oh, you can book in advance? Yes. Ah. We booked these in advance. Because, you know, it's much of a muchness, but you also don't want to be in one particular zone for like four drives in a row. Just, sorry, just for me and for people listening, how big is a zone? What is a zone? Is it demarcated? Is there a line, a road? How does it work? So it's... It's different per park. So if, if we look at um, Kana, which is one of the parks, you've, you've got a main gate to all the vehicles mm. that are going into the park all go through one gate. And so they open like sometime in the morning. So it's like now it's six o'clock in the morning. So you'll have in Kana, you'll have a shit ton of vehicles behind each other. And as soon as they go through the gate, they then go their separate to their ways, to their zones that they've been allocated. Okay. So you'll have a forest guide with you that, that jumps in the vehicle. So... So th think of it this way. You have what they call a naturalist, which is our guide or ranger. The guy that drives the vehicle. Drives the vehicle. Okay. Then you've got a forest guide who is essentially like almost like our trackers, mm. but they don't sit on the, the bonnet of the vehicle. They'll sit in the passenger seat next to the guide and just making sure that rules. You know, the guys stick to their rules. Do they, do they engage with the guests? Some of them do. So they, there's often a, la a, a language barrier between them and the guests. So it's often mm. it will work between the forest guide, the naturalist, okay. and the guests. Okay. Um, so th those guys will then be in there and making sure that you go to your zone and stick to that okay. zone. So it, whereas a place like Bandavgarh, you've got a gate per zone. So if you go okay. through zone two, there's a gate that you go through mm for that particular zone. The zones are big, you know, I'm not sure the exact size of it, but a lot of these parks, you know, you're talking about a reserve that's the size of Medikwe, a little bit bigger, you know, up to 150, 200,000 acres. Yes, okay. So, you know, if you split that in four, you know, it's roughly sort of the same size for, for each zone, mm -hmm. but, you know, big enough that, and it's all open, you know, there, there, there's no fence. So, yeah. like, um, the tigers in Banavgar, for example, they, one tiger might move into two zones in the morning because mm -hmm. it could literally be just crossing the road. So is it the same as in the Swabi Sand? Or so, yeah, Swabi Sand. If we find a leopard, we track it, it walks across military road. Now it's moved from Swabi Swabi into Mala Mala or whatever it might be. Same, same And then you can scenario. look at it, walk away, and that's it. Same sort of scenario, yeah. Okay. But you can also get a, a full day permit 
which then allows you, then you can drive in any zone. But okay. they, they, they charge like literally four times the price of a normal okay. normal permit. Is it worth yeah. doing day trips though? Is there enough to see and do? It, it's, it's enough to see. It's just the heat is it's hell of a ah, hot. Of course. It, it's very hot, especially that April time. I mean, if you're going in winter, I'd say definitely, definitely yeah. do that. But in, in summer, you know, by the time, because even with us, with the normal permits, you, you leave the park by like 10.30, quarter to 11. So you've had a good five, six hours mm. in the morning. It's long. It's a, it's a long drive. So it's not like you, you're back at, back at the lodge by 9 o'clock, 9.30. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very different, first of all, from, from a, a zone point of view. And then also the fact that there are no radios. So in the beginning, and I think it took me halfway through this, because I was there for a month now, halfway through, I finally started understanding it. Because you would, and Trevor and I spoke about this in the previous podcast, is you'll drive to a particular waterhole, mm. and then drive to another waterhole, and then you might often come and loop back to this waterhole. Because they, because the forest is so dense, there's very little of, of that is visual. You know, In South Africa, we'll look at, Impala's mm. behavior, you know, mm. the Impala will stand and they'll, they might snort, or you'll follow tracks. You know, if you're going to Sabi Sands, right. you follow tracks and you can go off road. Here, probably about 90, 95% of it is listening, listening for alarm calls, okay. you know, either from monkeys or from the deers. So it's not a lot of visual, it's more audio. So the areas between the waterholes, is it thick as hell? Depending on the park, okay. yes. So uh, Karnat's thick as hell. Banagar, you've got a little bit more sort of grass plains um, between the waterholes. But generally, you're dealing with a lot of bamboo thickets. Okay. So you could hear the alarm calls. You can hear them coming closer and closer and closer. But no off-road driving? No off-road driving. Anywhere? Anywhere. I suppose with the numbers you spoke about, that would be a shit show. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's When a sighting comes to you at the water you think oh this is great we don't need to go off-road but when it reverses and ah. you know it's a little bit further away you think oh, shucks you know it would be nice to to do a bit of off-roading that's why i think you know the hmm. you, you can't i do think that the indian um government or the indian um park officials they do care about these these areas you know be, because of that fact that they're very strict on times that you can be in the park there's no night driving in the park you can go in the buffer zones what, so, is, what is a buffer zone? So a buffer zone is basically where the, the areas between the park and you know, some of the villages. Okay. Areas that is, it's, so you can do night drives in there, but it, it's not, you don't need an actual uh, permit to, to drive in there. Gotcha. But, you know, you have got farmlands in there. It's almost like... Massa villages on the edge of the market. Yes. Yeah, almost okay. something, something to, to that extent. Um... So it is. It is very different, um, and, and like I said, it, it does take a while to to get an understanding and get used to it. Because you'll go to one waterhole, then you'll come back to the waterhole where you were twenty minutes ago, because of the the sounds. And it's often, you know, as a guide, you have that gut feel. Those mm. waterholes mm. where you know you've had good sightings. Yeah. And in the beginning, I kind of thought, okay, listen, we're just driving in circles here. So what are you doing? What What's the plan? Whereas in Africa, you know, we can communicate with guides. Okay, I've checked this waterhole. Mm. And often, you know, you've been to a waterhole, carry on with your drive. 20 minutes later, a guy radios you, hey, yeah. I've got a leopard at this waterhole where you were 20 mm. minutes ago. So the guys don't oh. have that communication from a radio point of view. So they often go on gut feel and where they've had their sightings um, in the past few mm. days. 
um, and yeah, drive between the different waterholes, which, you know, that time of the year, April, sure. it gets hot. So from eight, nine o'clock in the morning, you're basically just focusing on the water bodies. But now, so just from a radio point of view, so is it a rule that you're not allowed that? Are there, for example, companies with three or four vehicles that do do it, but they don't tell you about it? How does it work? Uh, I'm not sure because I mean the the I think the park rangers the um, the guys that do the patrols they've got radio so they a lot of the so so your your forestry person in the passenger seat he doesn't have he radio. doesn't have radio oh. no but the guy so funny enough that when they do the patrols they do it by on on elephant back mm. so they, they've got a, a couple of elephants that the the guys use to find the tigers that's often to look for snares and these things they all communicate with the guys on bicycles. There's actually guys on bicycles cruising through these parks. Those guys are savages. Yeah. Holy hell. <laughs> I tell you what, there's no better way to cycle than uh, having a tiger behind you, I'm Jeez, sure. Jeez, yeah. But they, they will communicate. Okay. And if you bump one of these guys in the can, you say to them, oh, what did you see? And they'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So often, often the guys will, if they think there's a tiger in a particular thicket, mm. the guy with the elephant will often go walk in there. Oh. And because, you know, they need to see is this tiger injured has it got are a snare are they no they're not collared okay so th they'll go and they, they'll just track it but they can do it you know being able to go off road mm -hmm. with uh, being on an elephant so they'll then go in come out and say yo it's there it's there and you're like okay well and uh, that's it's, it it's end of discussion end of discussion it's sleeping there it's not going to come out or it's lying the worst thing is it's lying in the water you're like ah oh, what a photograph oh, no. it is what it is sure um so it, it it's very different. It can be frustrating, but you know, like Trevor and I were chatting about, it, there are enough tigers. You know, the areas that we go to, the tiger populations are ridiculous, and it's mm. it's, it's on the incline, which is incredible news that you could leave a tiger sighting, you know, whether it be not accessible or too busy for your liking, and probably go and find another tiger mm. not too far away. Wow. Because yeah. I think the thing with, with that a lot of people don't understand about an African safari is, and I'm even, I'm, I'm obviously I think I'm speaking more from a Southern Africa point of view, but your accessibility and going to find stuff like Mala Mala, yeah. you are guaranteed to get that thing. You hear, you can yeah. go in off-road. Sometimes, I mean, I've been off-road. Some of the guys go off-road and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Dude, calm down. But you can get that access in Masamara as well. Yeah. You can see at distance, you can drive around in instances you can off-road. Yeah. So it's a very big mind shift. Did any of your guests comment on this? No. Uh, and so we, we changed things up a little bit. Um, this is the first time this year that we added Todoba into the, mm -hmm. into the mix, which is a, a new park for us. And the reason behind that is because your, your tiger viewing there, from what I've heard from people, what, you've got a good chance of seeing tigers because there's a lot more sort of open, a lot of water bodies. Whereas we usually st started with Pench and Kana, beautiful parks, massive, but harder to see tigers. Okay. So, you know, you know how guests get, if, if you if you land at a place, all of a sudden, your first day, no tiger. Your second day, no tiger. People start getting a bit edgy and that pressure just, you can, mm. you can feel that pressure start not increasing. Ideal. Not ideal. Whereas at Todoba, we had eight different tigers in, the six drives we did there. And, and and is that kind of normal? Or was it out of the ordinary, like, amazing? No, it's like, it, it's normal for, for Todoba, apparently. Shit. Um, okay. So good tiger viewing. So our idea was to start with that, get that initial take pressure. Take the edge off. Take, take the edge off. And then, you know, by the time you get to Pension Kana, 
you can focus on the, the general game stuff. Mm. And then Button of Go is just, I mean, that's like the Sabi Sands for, for Leopard. It is ridiculous wow. um, tiger numbers. Almost, it's almost become too densely populated that a lot of these tigers are now having to move into buffer, zone. buffer zones. Or even further than that, which often then, that's when that human-animal mm. conflict becomes okay. quite a big thing. Because, you know, they have to go through villages, through townships. Yeah. And that's where it starts getting a bit edgy, where they often then dart those animals and then move them to totally different parks. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, And I mean, this time of year, so you were there April. Mm. How busy was it tourism-wise? Because having gone through COVID, we've yes. seen the Mara, for example, which is, I'm just using the Mara because of the numbers of people. Yeah. And it went from total chaos to... I think March, April, May, even June of, of COVID year 2020, there wasn't a single visitor mm. that paid park fees in the Mara Triangle. Yeah. So that dropped down dramatically. Yes. What was the numbers like now of people? It was busy. Um, and, you know, I think the Indian parks, every time I've been there, it is busy. Mm. Uh, you know, there, there's there's no sugarcoating that. But I think, you know, like we said at, at breakfast this morning, I think it has to be put into perspective a little bit for, mm. for people. So... You know, you're dealing with a country with 1.4 billion people. Now, we don't realize how many... That's a four big billion, fucking number. You know, you, <laughs> yes. you, you think of 100 million, the difference between 100, 100 million yeah. and a billion, Aye. it's huge. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's 20 times more densely populated than the USA. Yeah. 20, oh, wow. 20 times. Right. Not, not two or three, 20 times. That's Copy crazy. that. Jeez. <laughs> So, you know, the, the, the fact that you have these parks, and like I mentioned, it's not like a, it's not a small zoo, like two or 3,000 hectares. No, You're it's... talking about a park up to, you know, 150, 200,000 acres. Yeah. It's a miracle that these areas are still there. Yeah. And um, what they've done, the Indian government or the Indian parks have done is they've made it affordable for locals to go visit these parks. Okay. So they've, they've gone the opposite route that we've gone from a South African point of view. Now, how many South Africans can go into the Sabi Sands, to Marla Marla? It's pretty much been priced out of their range. Totally out, out of, their of local range. people's range. Totally. So, you know, probably about 95% of the travelers in the parks in India are locals. That's a huge number. It's huge. It's massive. I mean, we probably, in the month that I was there, if I saw 40 international travelers, 50 international travelers. For real? Travelers, it, that's a lot. So, but, wow. you know, if, if you think about it, if they put their price up and they completely just rely on international mm. travelers to come in there, there's no way those parks will survive. But that's and what's going to happen, what happened in Africa. Exactly. And, you know, hmm. you, you think of these, these forest guides, I think a lot of them are there just from a job creation point of view. Because a lot of these guys, okay. from what I'm you know, speaking to the, the naturalist, a lot of these guys used to be poachers. Okay. So, you know, Indian hunting was a... Uh, Indian hunting. Tiger hunting. Tiger hunting. Indian hunting is very different. That's a sci-fi movie, right? <laughs> Tiger hunting was a massive thing. You know, it was yeah. all, all, all the kings and everything. Mm. Know, some of them having shot up to hundreds, some even thousands mm. of tigers. I've seen those pictures in the old, like the black and whites, where it's the guy standing in front of like a tent and there's just like 20 tigers around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a massive thing. You know? And then they decided, okay, you know, they, there's um, it's time to conserve and protect these animals. So you have to have the buy-in from the local people. You've got to. You know, you've got to create jobs. Oh, sure. And in order to have those jobs sustainable, you've got to have people visiting those parks mm. in order to get funds in and get yeah. the, the, the buy-in from people. Because that human-animal conflict, because of the, like, the population that we've spoken about, 
is under so much more pressure than mm. in South Africa or even in, in, in the Mara or Serengeti. Mm. So you've got to have, you know, and I think people need to understand that before saying, you know, India is just too busy. I'm not going to go there because I want a private safari experience. You've got to understand that in order to protect these parks and then tigers for that matter, mm. you've got to have those, that, oh, those numbers of people coming into the parks to create jobs and to mm. get those funds in. Because otherwise, you know, the, those, farm, those farming communities are just going to say, well, you know, we're not benefiting from this whatsoever. No, sure. So we're just going to go and um, poach or burn that whole forest, kill whatever's there. And, you know, once yeah. it's gone, there's, there's no turning back. It's literally the flip side of the African model. Mm. Because the sustainability they've created from the sign of it, I haven't been yet, yeah. but the sustainability by making it accessible to the local people to drive the system that they're not reliant on the international visitor. Exactly. It's it's an interesting thing because a lot of, and I'm just as I, I'm just talking as I'm thinking about this, a lot of local people in I'm talking South Africa specifically. They are almost negative. Mm. about some of the private reserves because they can't go there. Yes. And I get that. And there was the big thing during COVID where a lot of the big lodges said, hey, we're dropping our prices by 70%. And the locals basically said, screw you. Yeah. You don't look after us. We're not looking after you. So that compromises sustainability and con- conservation over time. Yes. And it's literally the flip side now where during COVID, that must have been huge for them because yeah. they still kept going. Still going. Nobody exactly. could travel there. Exactly. No, that, that's that's basically what, what would get uh, what got the lodges through that um, <clears throat> that period, and it's it's incredible. And it, like like I said, it, it literally sunk in for me personally about halfway through my my month there. And you just take a minute and, and look around at the local people, and just the excitement on kids. Um, you know, everyone like buys a tiger cap or a tiger shirt. Even the locals. Even the locals. You know, Did they, you buy one? No. Oh, come on, bro. I wanted to get like this tiger vest. A tiger onesie. Tiger onesie. <laughs> that, that would work. But, you know, you see the excitement. You know, wildlife photography has grown massively in, in India. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that it it, it, it puts the message out there. It, it creates that, um, that important message of, you know, we have to protect these animals. They, they, they genuinely, honestly care about it. And, you know, as long as it doesn't impact the animals, mm. which is, you know, something we, we, we can go to after this, but as long as it doesn't impact the animals, mm. you know, from their, their movement or behavior point of view, you know, that money and that exposure that is being created by these people visiting these yeah, parks yeah. has to be good for the conservation of tigers and, more importantly, these, mm. these natural areas. It, Probably an unfair question, but could you see, it's hard, because the way you're describing it is a lot of local people go to these places. Yes. And they enjoy it because they obviously get local resident rates, I'm assuming, and they can do the photography. Do you sense a sense of pride about what they have? The reason I'm asking is if I look at the Kruger, which is huge and it's amazing and all that, but a lot of local people who self-drive there. Now, I'm not, I forget the driving, just who go there. There seems to be a sense of, what's the word I'm looking for? Of entitlement that I can be here. And then you get the funny Feldkinder vibe who think they know everything. Yeah. And even though I think people, some people, and look, I'm generalizing 100%, but even though some people go to the Kruger and to these places, 
they they enjoy it mm-hmm. and they some think they know everything i'm just wondering if the level of pride in what we have locally is what it should be yeah so that's why i'm asking could you sense because if if it's available and the people are buying caps and they're going on mass yeah. surely there must be an understanding of this is amazing this is i'm proud of this definitely definitely and you know Jevon, I also spoke about this in, in our previous podcast, but it was refreshing to see that, I mean, you, you'll have a Tiger site and there, there could be a bunch of cars and they say 25, 30 cars. In there, one site. In one site. But, you know, if, if you think of a waterhole um, facing, so when you're in the road, you can't, they can't form a double line on the road. You can't have two queues. It's one straight queue. So, so, so if there's a Tiger in the road, so it's a straight line, not next to each other. So if there's a tug in the road, then you could possibly, because no one's going to be able to overtake, so mm. then you could possibly have two vehicles next to one another. Okay. But it means that if you're at the back... Sorry for you. Sorry for you. And there's no rule of, you've had your time, now my turn. <laughs> the, or is there a respect thing to the, a degree? There, there is a respect thing, but you know, when, when you're there, we, you can't go anywhere. You can't reverse because there's a guy behind you. Didn't you tell me a story about that? Yeah. I, I had about three or four guys reverse into our vehicle. <laughs> Just the say guys, it again. You've had the, three or four guys reversing into you. Into me. The guys get so excited. It, it the is, actual guides. The guides. They get super excited, which, I mean, I, I still enjoy that, you know. Mm. So, yes, it, I mean, you do want to tear your hair out sometimes. and But at least I'd rather have that excitement than a guy that is bored out of his brains and almost doesn't want doesn't oh, to be God, there. Yes, I've had those. It's horrible. Yeah. But, you know, for the majority of the time, I actually asked Trevor, we had 24 Tiger sightings. How many of those did he feel that we're having a negative impact on the animal mm. or it's impacting his or his guest photography? And we could probably come one, maybe two. Out of 24? Out of 24. And that's both. That's both compromising the animal and photographic yes. quality. Yes. York. Because what happens is, you know, the majority... And Tigers are also clever, right? If those vehicles are there, it's not going to come and just sit in the road with all those cars there. So they generally go to, to the water holes when it's hot. You line up and you're all photographing in one direction. Okay. So how, sorry, just for context, how yes. close are these water holes to the road? So it depends. Because like, <clears throat> in, in, in Africa, wherever you go, there's literally, you drive on the road and there's a water hole a meter off the road. Yeah. So Banafgar has got water holes pretty much right next to the road. And they, there's quite a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Kano, I mean, if you take on, on average, I'd probably say 30, 40 meters off the road. That's not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, vehicles will line up, of course, you know, first come, first serve. If you're there and you have the patience to wait, if you if you hear alarm calls and you know the tiger is coming there, position. you wait there, position yourself, um, and then you get the best so, so, position. So, just again, so... There's a road running straight. On yep. the right-hand side, there's a water hole. Yes. So the vehicles all line up on the road, and you're all shooting off the right-hand side of the vehicle. Exactly. Which basically makes your photographs look like there's nobody there. Exactly. Okay. So, and then if the tiger comes towards the road, the guys are very respectful in leaving a gap hmm? for the animal to walk across. Is that when they reverse into you? Yeah, that's when they reverse into okay. you because they get so excited. <laughs> um, so it can often become a, a bit of a dog show then to try and get the guys to move mm. because you know you've got 15 cars behind you and it's almost like broken um, broken telephone that you're playing. <laughs> yeah um but the guys have that um 
that sort of thought process or th- those intentions mm. of giving it space, letting it cross the road. Hmm. So it, it's it's very important, and I think that's the message that we again gave to our um, our guide, our, our naturalist. Is you know once we've had that good sighting, if the tiger walks, you know, across the road and then into the thickets, or you know, parallel with the road in the bushes, let's not follow it. You know, we, we've had our sighting, we've had our enjoyment. Let's not, you know, if, if other vehicles do that, that's yeah. up to them. Sure. But for us, we can leave that sighting knowing yeah. that we've, yes, we've had an impact on the animal, you always do, but we've had as little of an impact sure. as we possibly could. We've got good photographs. Mm. And like we said, you know, there, there's, especially in a place like Banafgar and Todoba, the, the population is so dense that if you see a busy sighting, you can say, you know what, guys, this is not even worth mm. us trying to fight our way through here. Yeah. Let's move out, go look for something else. And... Um, you know, we, we came right on a, on a few occasions. So out of, out of interest, so you go on this game drive in the morning, you head in. How often did you f- literally find your own animal on your own versus finding cars and then finding it? So a lot of it we found, um, found on our own. I'm not sure the exact number if I had to guess, probably 10, 10, 12, okay. 30, maybe, maybe even more. So it's 50%-ish? Yeah. That's not bad. Um, so you know, initially it's it's quite difficult, but and also the the difference is all the parks or all the lodges are outside the parks. No lodges inside. No lodges inside. Anywhere. Anywhere. Is there a reason for that? So I don't know the exact reason, but I, I think they wanted to keep that sort of you know where the okay. animals are. That's that's their area. Otherwise, you know, how do you limit mm. the amount of lodges that can be yeah. inside? Sure, there? sure, sure. And the, as you know, the more lodges you have, the less of the or the more of the habitat you you're taking away mm. from from the, the, the tigers and other animals. So yeah. all of them are on the outskirts, which initially I thought, eh, you know, you're so used to just leaving your, mm. your lodge in the park and being straight into the action, where now you're doing, taking a 15, 20-minute drive between the villages and things to, to get to the park gate. So that's also something that, that's very different. Mm. But it only takes a couple of times when you, it's, it starts, sure. it starts working. Mm. I don't know if you just get used to it, but you... Mm. you, you get the understanding I understand what they're trying to do is to try and have as little of an impact on that tiger sighting yeah. or the the, the, the park mm. as they possibly could and, and sometimes I think they're almost being like too strict oh really in a way and like just for from like from time for example so like now it was summer we could only go in at six o'clock whereas personally I, I thought they could have maybe opened the the park gate another half an hour earlier um, and like I said you know there, there are no night drives in the national park itself mm. so there's a lot of these rules the no off-roading um, depending on the park the the road networking you think you know you can maybe put, put, a, put a few roads through here but you know because those parks are so thick it's not just in the open plains and simple like drive a car a few times yeah. and you've got your road it, it will mean uh, mean taking out a few trees so they they very very conservative with that kind of approach, which I enjoy, and it's I think it's you know it, it's viewing those tigers as naturally as you possibly mm. could. I also think maybe there's a certain amount to this: is you staying outside, you driving in, you enter the thing, you understand that if we take it to a people point of view, there's discipline. Yes, and there must be a certain level of excitement, like okay, I wake up, I'm in the car, I'm gonna wake up, okay. And go. Now we're in it. Yeah. And the idea that there's 
discipline and structure in the conservation system, even though we might be frustrated sometimes, either as guests or as what we do, yeah. there's still an understanding of, okay, cool, I get it. Yeah. Like a naughty child might not like it, but deep down they understand structure and discipline. Exactly. So that's an interesting thing. But it's, you know, it, it's very similar to, uh, take places like the Kruger National Park, for example, um, the Masai Mara, mm. the Serengeti. Once you've been there a few times, you start learning how to play the crowds. Mm. 100%. 100%. Sense, you know? And it's, we, we can say, you know, in, in the Mara of the Serengeti, you get a lion sighting, and all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of cars that come in there, and guys, you know, sometimes act like idiots. You know, guys, let's, we know this area, let's cruise a little bit further that way, mm. and we might find another pride of light. Mm. And we have that all to ourselves. So you start learning how to play the crowds, and I think that's why it's so important that we've put the strip together the way we have, yeah. and that we've given ourselves time at different parks. Mm. You know, if you just go for two days, mm. you're putting yourself under pressure, and you're going sure. to be in there fighting with the crowds to try and nah. get... A particular spot and the more you try and fight and force it mm. the more you just gonna end up missing out on, on sightings did you ever feel in any of these places from your guest point of view that mm. something could have been done better like from a guiding point of view from a driving from a positioning it's like let's leave now let's not yes um, I did I think it was on on two occasions our, our first afternoon in Tadoba where you must also remember that we were there over Easter, over oh, over, right. over a long weekend, and there was also um, there was a festival. Was it is it Diwali? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was so it was a lot busier than it usually would be, um, but we yeah, we had a, a one very busy sighting in, in Tadoba where we were kind of blocked, and we had this big bus. We literally. If this bus pulls in front of you, you can't see anything. And we had a tiger on the other side of the water. And showing this poor bus, all he wanted to do is have, let his clients have a view of this tiger that was lying in the water. As he was starting at the back, you could hear the people, no, 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 no. Ah. And he moves, trying to move a little bit forward. And the next week he goes, like, no, 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 no. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> and he goes a little bit forward and it's like, I mean, this poor guy didn't know. And then he wants to go back and the people at the back are shouting oh, at him. God. Tries to go forward. This guy eventually... He was so flustered. Just put his hands up. It's like, whatever, <coughs> man. Um, that, that, that was one. We, we couldn't leave because you had vehicles in front of you and behind you. But, you know, it's, again, if you, if you wait it out, the majority of the people that are not photographers, five, ten minutes, and they move on. So if mm. you, nothing's happening. The animal's lying in the water. But because it was literally our second tiger that we saw, everyone was like, holy shit, you know, got to get this move out the way. Uh -huh. Whereas if that happened towards the end of the trip, People would have calm been down, happy. Okay. Calm down. You know, we'll just put our cameras mm. down. Give it ten minutes, and the crowd will move on. Yeah. Or say, you know what? We've got a better. We've got better photos than this. Let's move on. Yeah. And, you know, look. For I mean, target. that's very similar. In in the Marak, which only thing I can equate to, you got that Ratpanat, that big oh, yeah. fucking that huge <laughs> yeah. truck thing, where people are basically doing aerial photography. It's so high, mm. and you get the school buses coming through. But also, and we've had this on social media in the past, is we'll get to a leopard in a tree sleeping. There's no shot. We've sat there for two and a half hours mm. and we've timed. People come in, you can check. They leave the car yep. running yep. and off they go. So it's a very similar kind of model on that. Yes. Hmm. But it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that unfortunately, there, how, many, how many places can, can you think of that is a, a popular thing to photograph 
or to view with little pe- with little people going there. No, and that it, goes it, for it, everything, not just wildlife. No, in India, the Taj Mahal, yeah. it's a shit show. You can go New York City, Times Square. Yeah. Apart from COVID, there's always thousands of people. Yeah, any of the big things has got to, but and that's where I think finding new wilderness areas is such a challenge, yeah. because the world's expanded. People after COVID are traveling more. Everything that's worth going to, people are going to. Yeah. So no, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. You know, you think of the the Great Migration and it, these spectacles that people want to see. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, the Pantanal would be would be another one. You know, there's these popular places. Mm. Unfortunately, they they attract people, but they they need people in order to survive. Yeah, and like it, it, it often irritates me a little bit when people are like, oh, there's too many people there, and you know people are destroying these places. And if people are not going there, that's what's going to destroy these places. Yeah, yeah. I think us as humans have this amazing um, belief almost that these wild areas need to be left alone without people visiting it, and all of a sudden they're just going to thrive. Mm. But you got to understand, it needs income. It's a business. Yeah. Every park, every every natural area that's out there is a business. The only re- the only way that is possible is if we take every single person off the African continent, yes. everybody, and leave it. Yeah. Then it's natural. Yes. Then it'll do its course. You're going to have predators, populations growing, dropping down, and 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 and. But the moment it's managed, which every single place, even wide open place like South Luangwa, yeah. is managed to a degree. Yes. You pay to get in there, which means there's water holes, there's roads, there's infrastructure, which affects the bigger picture. Yeah. And we have to be realistic about it. Yeah. I think it's also, if I go to a movie, if I go to a bloody horror movie, I'm going to watch a, re, a rerun of American Werewolf in London. Yeah. I should know what to expect. Exactly. I can't leave and say that was dog shit because there was no funny bits. Yeah. Uh, well, that you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. And I think a lot of people need to do, and in today's world, there's no excuse not to do your homework. Yeah. Content like this, what you guys are putting out, mm. read, learn, ask. Yeah. Because then all the things about, ooh, there's too many people, maybe you'll understand why. Yeah. And then the question, I suppose, would be, okay, Sarah, would you rather stay in your little crappy apartment on your own and look at a tiger on the TV yeah. or you want to go there, deal with the upside and the downside and at least experience it for yourself? Exactly. It's that. Exactly. And, you know, every single park, and we've chatted about this, every single park has got, every single trip has got an up and downside. 100%. Um, I'm just trying to think now, I mean, you'll know better, probably the only place that could survive mm-hmm. without people is probably Svalbard. Yeah. You know, without with people, go, because no one can, the problem is no one can live in no. where you're going with the, with, the, with the boat. They go to places, the bears go to places where we can't follow. Yeah, you can't go put up a hut or a no. little village there. Whereas, you know, places like any, 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 any park, mm. South Luangwa, all of these things, you take the people away from it, mm. you've got villages that will go in there. Mm. And once the villages go in there, you know, whether they're far, like... They're going to um, go back to plant. natural existence. They're just going to do what they do. Exactly. They're not going to necessarily go and hunt things to hunt things. Yeah. They're going to live off the land like they have for however long. Exactly. And that, you know, then that human-animal conflict will, will be there. You know? So conservation has to be done. The, the, the communities that border these parks mm. are as important as the lodges inside the park. Mm. 
So those yeah. communities have to benefit from sure. those lodges and parks being there. In if, India, if, do they? I think they do. <clears throat> if, if you think of the, if you look at the respect that there is for the the wildlife and stuff, I think, I think they do. Mm. Now, I don't know if they get given X percentage from the profits from the parks or, or how that all works. But mm. I mean, you literally drive, and that, that's one of the things I find fascinating. Is you drive from your your lodge where you're staying at to the park, and you'll be driving through guys collecting water pump they've got these water pumps next so to like the road. african villages african villages there'd be wheat fields people you know from early in the morning getting their fields ready you get a sense of life outside the park and it's not far mm-hmm. i mean you literally drive five minutes further and you're in this national park where tigers and things run freely There's and it's no, non-fenced non-fenced it's the same with the buffer zones as in Massamont or exactly. in east africa exactly oh. but you know there's tigers the the people is a natural no sure f- a boundary for them they try and avoid that yeah so I really enjoy that and and I do think it is it is the most authentic way to mm. to view tigers mm. I really really do you know there there are places that are trying to replicate that and you know it, it's I like think, Tiger Canyon in South Africa yes I mean I think that is possibly a good place to you know if, if you want to put out the story of tigers and the potential threats they're facing is it a better experience than going to india i don't think so you've been to both you yes. can say this i can think so even with the extra vehicles in there because you know they they yes you can have less vehicles in tiger canyon but you're going to be driving through different gates um fenced off areas and it also, I mean, and now that they, 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 kid you not, they bring cheetahs into India now as well. They bring them in. They, there's uh, one reserve in India where they're going to release cheetahs. And I'm like, why? Have they ever been there naturally? Not I that know. I know of. I don't think I so. I don't know. I just I wonder with something like tiger cancer, yes, you can, you can get them up close. If it's purely about getting a nice picture of a tiger, possibly, there's an argument. Yeah. I just wonder, it's... <laughs> Is it like kissing your sister? <laughs> that you know this is not the real thing, thing. but yeah, yeah. it's that. Okay, maybe that's maybe, it. maybe your cousin. As I, yeah, as I said <laughs> that, it sounded wrong. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is It's very cool to see this thing, but deep down you know they shouldn't actually be here. Yeah. It's not the real thing. And I, I, and Sorry, unfortunately, yeah. a lot of people I don't think give a shit. Yeah. We've gotten to a point where it's immediate Got gratification. Yeah. Take the pictures, post it on Instagram, not say where it is. There's my tiger shot. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like flat coke, man. There's yeah. no fizz. No, if you, that's mean, a better one than the sister yeah, yeah, one. The sister one, yeah. Okay, cool. the, 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 I do apologize for that one. That came got, out wrong. Got a little bit awkward. <laughs> um, no, hundred percent. If, if people are out there just to get a shot, and you know, then Tiger Canyon is is definitely then mm. probably a, a better option. But I think the the overall experience, you know, the the seeing the tigers in the natural environment mm. doing what they do naturally. The animals around them that you associate with tigers, yeah. the alarm calls, you know, seeing the peacocks, seeing mm. the, the the massive forests, that for me is the real thing. Mm. The crowds that go with it, yes, you know, is that, what it is. That that is that is the 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 downside. Could they half the vehicles? Yes, they could. But then the price is going to have to go up mm-hmm. in order for these places to be sustainable. No, it's a fine balance, hey? It's a very You're fine balance. And I mean, if you look at it, the value for money that you get on the trip, so the trip is, what's it now, 
three nights, nine, 13, so it's 14 nights. Two weeks. Two weeks in total. Well, look now, it, it comes in less than $1,000 a night. Jeez. That's, I mean, if you, if you look at some of the trips, that's huge. So that, you know, majority of African trips, you're looking at a minimum of $1,000 a night on a fully mm, inclusive. 1000 yeah. Yeah, you know, with, with your meals and everything. So this comes in under that. So mm. I think, you know, that value for money is there. Otherwise, the prices are going to become so high. The local yeah. people are going to say, well, you've cut us out. And like I said, then. And that, that could happen what happened here. Mm. Where it's, and, and like I said, there's this. Sometimes there's a very negative sentiment to the private reserves because, oh, I can't get there. Yeah. You're taking what should belong to me and you're giving it to the international. That's, uh, we hear that. Yeah. So I think they've done a pretty decent job on that. And already, you know, the, the population has expanded so much. Mm. It is under so much pressure that if you decrease that natural habitat even more, you've got a serious issue in trying oh, to time bomb, protect those targets. And w- once, once that's done... There's no sort of moving those villages out again. No, so, not at that scale. No. Not going to happen. So it's so important that we, you know, I think just, I would encourage people that before they just jump on and say, you know, it's too busy, it's chaos, it's not for me. Mm. I promise you now, it, like understand the story mm. and, you know, go and visit these parks. And yes, it will be busy, but understand the, the greater good of protecting these animals and you will get away with mm. amazing sightings and amazing images mm. because we are there to 100%. to manage it with the the local guides mm. it's also it's it's people tend in today's world to headline read oh no indians i'm not going there yeah learn more read more make your own decision mm. don't just go at what some negative guy out of atlanta says yeah do we know any people in atlanta no no i do actually but no it's not him <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's the thing. It's, it, do your own homework, and instead of listening to everybody else and how bad it is, why not actually? And this is a positive. Go and look for the good. Yeah. Go and look for a tiger in its natural environment. How many people can see say that? Yeah. Indians lot because locals go there. Yes, exactly. But outside of our circles, if I look at my friends and family, apart from you guys, I I don't think I can think of anybody that's yeah. seen a tiger in its natural environment. Yeah. And that's a special thing. And it's it's very affordable. Mm. Like. Also, because it's funny, if if you go to the extreme other scale of it, like private concession, hardly any people look at Botswana. Yeah, you try and find for decent accommodation in Botswana, you look at minimum thousand four hundred thousand six hundred. Oh, the US, bottom end. Yeah, going up to four thousand dollars. Then mm. people start complaining. Oh, it's too expensive now. Okay, so what do you like? You you want that low cost of an India? Mm. For the exclusivity of a Botswana, mm. you're not going to get that anymore. You got to pick one. You're not going to get that anymore. If if you're willing to spend three thousand dollars a night for accommodation and exclusivity, hundred mm. percent, be my guest. Botswana is the the place for you. But from an affordability point of view, value for money, mm. you know, you you got to you can't have the best of both no, worlds. It, you you got to make some sacrifices. Yeah, it's like comparing Singita to the Kruger at large. Yeah. Different prices, different experience, different everything. So. Yeah. So if people have any questions on India, happy to get in touch with you. Yes, 100%. Where sure. can they find you? So on email, johan at wildeye.co.za or on Instagram, Johan von Self Photography. Mm. When are you heading back up there? So it'll be next year, April, or end of March, April, and then I'm working on another one um, focusing on different regions of, of India, um, the Jawai area for the leopards. Oh, yeah. 
Ranthambore for Tigers and then Kazaranga for the Rhinos. So something Ooh, a little, nice. bit, little bit different. Is um, that one live yet? Not yet. So I've got the, the costing. We've got the dates for this trip, Central India for next year. Mm-hmm. I think it's 29th of May. March. 29th of March. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I should know that. But it, yes. <laughs> it, 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 it will be on the website uh, in the next sort of a few days. Okay, that's great. So, guys, check out the website, wildeye.com. That's wildeye, two words with a dash in between.com. You can just Google it as well. Mm. Otherwise, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, G. Very Appreciate cool it. one. Guys, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for leaning us your ears. Get in touch with Johan if you have any questions. Go and check it out in its natural environment. That's why it's there. Yeah. That's how it should be. Exactly. Anyway, I'll chat to you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. My name is Johan. We'll chat to you soon. Bye. Cheers.